This is GSAP Conversations from the Graduate School of Architecture, Planning and Preservation at Columbia University in New York City. I'm Dina Malandraus. Thanks for listening. I'm Paul Amatai, co-director of events at Columbia GSAP. I'm speaking today with Cristina Diaz-Moreno and Efren Garcia-Grinda of Amit 09 in advance of their lecture at the school on September 17th, 2018. Amit 09 is a Madrid-based architecture firm that operates at the intersection of professional practice, research, and pedagogy, and for many years has been teaching concurrent studio courses at universities across the world, including the AA in London, Harvard GSD, and the Städelschule in, in Frankfurt. Thank you for speaking with me today. <laughs> Pleasure. So I'm interested actually to start with your work as professors, um, teaching in multiple cities in Europe and the US. Uh, what have you learned about living, working, and teaching in these different cities, and, and how has it informed your thinking about architecture and public space? OK, the, it is a, an interesting question, because um, I think uh, teaching is a very important uh, activity for us. You know, It, it allows us to, in parallel to our practice, to test multiple avenues that are not uh, actually possible in the in the normal practice in the everyday practice of the office. So um, even though we're like we're like uh, having a quite an experimental office and it's not that big, it's strangely difficult to um, research about certain um, topics within the realm of the office. So basically, the uh, the academia is a, is a testing ground for us. You know, that is allowing us also to discuss maybe more theoretical aspects of the research we're conducting uh, within the realm of the office. I must say that is quite exciting, but it's quite tiring, as you can imagine, as you could imagine. I think uh, we were benefited by being present in, in places in where the intellectual exchange is a, is a must. And that's something that, particularly at the AA, and in, at Harvard and at Princeton as well, has been like really stimulating. You know, because it has allowed us to situate ourselves in, in regards of others' work. And yeah, it's, it's allowing you to situate yourself and your, your theoretical practice within the realm of others, I would say. Hmm. Well, it, it's exactly how we understand architecture, the discipline itself. We cannot have an office and that's all, or have a practice and, and, and the whole thing is about the practice. We need to have one part of our work based on the academia somehow, and, and being like coming back and forth from the practice to the academia. And the other way around, we don't understand, uh, we couldn't teach only. It would be impossible for us to be an architect, the real one, and we really love constructing and doing things. So normally we try to balance both worlds. Mm -hmm. And also because of the, the um uh, our office is not a, a pre-conventional one. We we uh, do make a lot of different things, right? Which are not usually in commercial offices. So it's not that we're like doing a typical uh, work of architect doing or, or producing uh, documentation for projects that are going to be constructed. We do uh, we do make a lot of um, project research and, and things that are set up by ourselves within the realm of the office. So we take the money that is like being earned throughout the conventional practice and we apply to multiple things within the office. So I would say that it's not just practice and academia, and even the academia, we, we, we understand it, I would say, in a different way than many yeah. other people, right? So it's something which is having multiple fields of action, I would say, in both, in both realms. Your work is really interested in these notions of in-betweenness, mm -hmm. right? being in-between, of situated between different states of being. 
Um, you've written about this as a conceptual framework as well as a condition of the built environment. Um, how public space sits in between as a kind of liminal space or threshold. Can you talk more about this idea of being in between and, and why that interests you? Hmm. Well, of course, our name is Amit. That means exactly in between. And is the, the main target for architecture is not the materiality or, or the, the object or the building. Is what is happening is the space. I, we understand that the design is based on producing spaces for people or for other entities. And the final target is really to be able to construct that spaces. So it's always something in between. I mean, it's the basic idea in all our projects. But basically, it's this extraordinary common thought that architecture is not simply in the building itself. You know, it's something else. It's the people that is contained within it. It's the interactions of people within the building itself, but it's the interaction that happens between individuals in the realm of, of that thing called buildings, right? right? So we cannot name a space only referring to architecture, and this opens up a, a lot of questions related with architecture and the practice of architecture. The first one, and the very, I mean, for us is quite important, is how can we deal with the fact that we are two individuals, you know, and producing work of spaces or modification of our uh, artificial environments for others. So to take into account what that means in relationship of, of your own practice, your own subjectivity and the relationship with other subjectivities and how you can somehow try, instead of projecting your own subjectivity onto a space in a very straightforward way, to produce something which is something in between yours and theirs, or ours, I would say, right, and produce something which is also determined by what people does, their, their, their usual customs, and, you know, and, and everything else. The notion of architecture is something which is producing environments, and environment is not about, it's, it's not a physical thing, it's something mm -hmm. which is, is composed by many multiple agents. That's why. Mm -hmm. So the, the first practical thing that we encountered when we started working together was this difficulty of two individuals working together. How to deal with that? Because we are not the same person, we are not having the same subjectivity, not even the same tastes. So you need to encounter ways of, of, of dealing with that, basically. That's, what, that's why uh, it's so important and so interesting for us, the, the in-between space. You know, everything happens in the, basically, for us. I'm wondering if you've done a sort of analysis post-occupancy after you've built something and sort of started to then analyze the life of that building and the kind of interactions with environment mm -hmm. after you've already done finished construction. Is that part of sort of your research that uh, came out after that? Or? Not really formally, uh, but we are like so involved in the in the uh, with the buildings that we have been uh, con constructed. There are not that many, uh, unfortunately, uh, so far that uh, we inevitably are like recording that. And, and I think that that idea of uh, a space which is lived and is understood afterwards, I think, is super important. And, uh, and taking into account that people will occupy the things that you're doing and will be doing multiple things in an, and appropriating it. And I, and I would say that, that we're like, uh, even though we are suffering sometimes because there are things that are modified and we wanted them to be differently or different, um, we enjoyed that. So, so I mean, for us, mm -hmm. I think it's something that we shared, both of us together, right? And that we like buildings, we like architecture, but we like much better people. And people, really, the interactions happening within the realm of the buildings and the life in general. So I think uh, we both share the, this love for the world around instead of only for architecture.
This is again linked with this idea of amid or in between. At the end, the building is not the final target. At the end, what you can touch is not the final target. It's not the wall or the ceiling. What is really the important target is the space. So the space is changing, the space can change. And maybe, as he said, sometimes the client is doing things that you didn't expect or you even didn't like, but it's not important anymore because at the end, this is not what, for us, is architecture or our discipline or how we understand architecture. I want to dig in a little bit further into this related to the idea of third nature as a point of intersection between social, cultural, technological, biological, political actors, conditions, and how these conditions play out in public space. Um, you know, public space can be and has been, as you said, like it's potentially built to enable or restrict conditions or interactions from manifesting, but at the same time, many of these elements can interact in a way that, you know, it can't be planned or engineered, it happens, right, afterwards. Um, and oftentimes, these conditions, the constraints, they, they're subverted or the systems of infrastructure can be hacked, right? Mm -hmm. So I was thinking about it as in terms of also, you know, with the Occupy movement infiltrating spaces like Zuccotti Park in New York and mm. be it being a publicly owned private space or Tahir, Tahir Square or Gezi Square in Istanbul and how these places had a really specific, you know, there's a, an intention both in the constraints of that environment and how you sort of like hack that, but then also the symbolic potential that they have for why you would occupy those spaces and what that means. And if some of these resistance movements or the ways that they've taken space claims public space, if that's had any in influence or connection to what you're thinking about? Or? Happy now, yeah. we, we started uh, dealing with public space in the academia when all these things were happening, exactly at the same time. Mm -hmm. It was like even before New York, in our own city, it was the first one that was like uh, somehow receiving the wave from the Middle East. So I perfectly remember the second year we were teaching at the AA that we started with this notion or investigating the notion of public space. It was happening, happening. in front of us, literally there, you know, in the in 100 meters away from, from our place. Um, and and it uh, was extremely interesting the way people needed to both physically occupy spaces and symbolically relate this association with certain ideals. And I think that that is something that could be summarizing our take on public space, you know, there is not only uh, the reconstruction or the, the reenactment of the of uh, certain groups' ideals or identity is necessary to take into account certain symbolic aspect to it. And I think uh, symbolism is a tricky question in architecture. Mm. But uh, we constantly associate uh, symbolically actions with ideals. And I think that our question and the, the, the lecture today is partially about that. How can we work as architects, not simply taking um, banally things and, and translating it into languages, you know, into architectural languages, but how can we deal with this symbolic dimension of certain actions, and inevitably the, the way we are perceiving things are is linking things with, with, with actions and relating them back to our ideals. I think occupying Wall Street and other movements uh, were about anger as well, about frustration and the political dimension that could be coming back to people's actions. And knowing that probably uh, is completely different from the task of, of the architect, uh, or the usual one, uh, we would like to recover that as well. So that is the, the notion that the architecture could be, not emphatically, but could be politically uh, engaged. 
and, uh, and, and having a symbolic dimension within the frame of certain architectural languages. I guess just to finish, I'd be interested to hear a little bit about current work, what you're working on right now, mm -hmm. where you're headed next. We're very excited because we'll be commencing a, a new, completely new scenario on next January for the office and we're like pretty excited about that and so there are a lot of uh, small things happening around uh, in fact there's going to be a pavilion happening in london next spring but uh, we are pretty excited uh, to somehow come back to the office the, these last years were very much about a very intense academic activity and theoretical activity and we would like to really record first of all all these activities within certain volumes that we're planning to do, but also coming back very intensely to the work of the office that we have been like uh, living, you know, aside a little bit during these last two, these two last years. Pretty exciting. <laughs> <coughs> new scenario. Yeah. In fact, uh, we are now, let's say, starting a new phase of our life, I would say. So we, we made a, an important decision some months ago, and this is kind of the first, second week of this new way of working. So hopefully, I mean, and I agree with him, we are very excited with the coming things that are going to happen from January. Yeah. So we are going to balance a bit more our life towards our office, let's say. Not that much academia, a bit more of the office. And that's something let's you've say. been able to start to institute in the last the last few weeks that it's <laughs> great so it's kind Fresh of starting <laughs> that's exciting we look forward to seeing more of that work and the outcomes of that and we look forward to your lecture tonight and thanks so much for spending time with us thank today you. thank you very much our pleasure this podcast was produced by Columbia GSAP you can find more information about the school on our website at arc.columbia.edu